0: Welcome to Improbable Walks, the podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris, wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the city of light. Every episode, we step into history by strolling down a different block of the city, exploring buildings and people of the past and of the present. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your time and ears. If you're just discovering the podcast, please check out my website, lisapassol.com, for previous streets and more information. You can support this podcast by donating a coffee to the series by visiting my Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/LisaPassold. Now let's walk into history together. Today we're exploring a left bank street where I lived in the late 1990s, the Rue des Grands Augustins. We'll start at the river. Notre Dame will be to our left. Ile de la Cité is to our back. Neuf is to our right. We're facing up looking at the Rue des Grands Augustins and on this quay at the Seine we are actually at the oldest quay that's still surviving in Paris. This one dates back to 1313. The street used to be the Couvent des Augustins, a large religious complex built along the edge of the river. One map draws it with a turret in the Seine, though that might have been the artist's fantasy. The main building of the convent was destroyed during the revolution. The site was very deliberately turned into a poultry market. In the late 18th century, we might have stopped in this small street with its grand name for a quick bite to eat. Why? Because a fast food joint called la marmite perpétuelle established itself here. The marmite, which means a stew or simmered soup, specialized in boiled chicken and beef with consomme, to eat in or take away. Locals used to say that the fire never went out beneath the marmite in Grand Augustin. So in the late 18th century, there was fast food here. And that's also when this restaurant on the corner started serving more elegant food. This is the restaurant La Perouse, which claims to have been founded in 1766. Today, standing on the quay, looking up the street, you'll notice the beautiful dark panels of the restaurant on the corner of Grand Augustin. The upper floor of the dining room has magnificent views of the Seine, but honestly, the restaurant is more famous for its lush interiors and its misbehaving celebrity clientele, including 19th century novelist Gustave Flaubert, painter Eugène Delacroix, theater legend Sarah Bernhardt, the writers Colette and even Marcel Proust, who may or may not have bothered to actually leave his room to eat here, but he referenced the place in his epic novel In Search of Lost Time. Legend also holds that 20th century singer Serge Gainsbourg met the love of his life, Jane Birkin here, though I'm not sure that's true. The restaurant is named for the naval commander and explorer La Perouse, who disappeared during the reign of Louis Sixteenth. In fact, rumor has it that on the morning of his execution, King Louis XVI asked any news of La Perouse yet? The answer, of course, was no. There are various places around the world named for La Perouse and even a lunar crater with his name. And in this restaurant, you can toast the mysteries of life and the sea with a glass of champagne in the recently renovated main floor bar. The private upstairs dining rooms remain an excellent choice for an illicit tryst or two. Gentlemen in the 19th century used to arrive by secret staircase, while courtesans scratched their diamond jewelry in the mirrors to test for authenticity. When I visited 20 years ago, those ancient mirrors were still hanging on the walls. I haven't dined there since, so if you go, let me know if the marks are still there. Let's walk a little further up the Rue des Grands Augustins. Let's think about light and color at number 3 because the artistic couple Robert and Sonia Delaunay lived here in 1912. Their friend, journalist and poet, Guillaume Apollinaire also lived with them here for a brief period. Apollinaire is the one who named the Delaunay's colorful painting style orphism. Apollinaire seems to have enjoyed naming different painting styles. He's the one who came up with the term cubism also to pin down his friend Picasso's new style. Sonia Delaunay took inspiration from her childhood in Ukraine and Russia to create colorful abstract patterns, often using fabric. She designed clothes, theater costumes, interiors, theater sets, and painting. I like to imagine her working on her radically colorful costume for the Bal Balbulier here. In 1913, she appeared at the ball wearing what she called a simultaneous dress. Her husband, Robert, said that the dress made her into a living sculpture. You may have seen Robert Delany's prism-colored interpretation of the Eiffel Tower. I'll put an image of his work up on the website so you can check it out. Sonia had a longer, more varied career. She was born in 1885 and worked pretty much continuously until her death in 1979. Both of their work is in collections all over the world. This street is very good to painters. In fact, in some ways, it started way back in 1831 when Honoré de Balzac set a short story here in the Rue des Grands-Augustins. The story is about artists and the title is the unknown masterpiece. Not only the Delaunay's lived here, but also in 1937, painter Pablo Picasso moved into number eight. Here in the Rue des Grands Augustins, there's a very large old hotel particulier or mansion, and it was somewhat crumbling even in the 1930s. The photographer Dora Marr found the apartment for her lover, Picasso. You've probably seen photographs she took here. Picasso lived in this building from 1937 to 1955. There's a very big plaque outside. And it's most famous because he painted his huge black and white cubist masterpiece Guernica in the rooms here. The painting began as a commission. The newly elected Spanish Republican government asked Picasso to paint something for the 1937 Paris World's Fair. The official exhibition theme was a celebration of modern technology. But in Spain, civil war had broken out. On April 27, 1937, Hitler supported Franco's troops by bombing Guernica, a town in northern Spain. This is the first time an aerial bombardment was used against a civilian population, and it lasted three hours. Hitler was taking advantage of the situation in Spain to test his new bombing techniques for the war to come. Why here? Guernica was Basque, Republican, and had resisted Franco's military insurrection. Seventy percent of the town was destroyed and the fire burned for three days. Picasso was already in an emotional state of upheaval. He'd just left his wife. His mistress, Marie-Therese, had given birth to their daughter, and he was now involved with the very politically aware and very temperamental photographer, Dora Marr. Guernica wasn't the first bombing of innocent civilians, but today we remember the event largely because of this painting made here on the Rue des Grands Augustins. Picasso was famous for working quickly, for producing a huge amount of art, but he was resolutely non-political until this work. Within a week of the bombing, he began on sketches for this huge painting and within two months it was finished. The canvas is a very long piece of unbleached muslin, and while he worked, Dora Maar photographed his process. The Spanish pavilion opened in July 1937. The paint on the canvas must have been still wet. Picasso's work was the pavilion's central attraction, accompanied by documentary films, newsreels, and photographs of horrors perpetuated by the fascists. It was a powerful statement about the fight that was soon to take over Europe. In the 1940s, a famous story has a Nazi officer visiting the studio on Rue des Grands augustins during the occupation. The Nazi is supposed to have stood in front of the painting of Guernica and asked the painter, Did you do that? And Picasso said, No, you did. But the story isn't true. Picasso admitted to a friend that it was entirely hearsay. They say I said that, admitted Picasso, but who is he to deny a good story? In fact, after the show in the Spanish Pavilion in Paris, the mural was sent to New York on a tour to benefit the Spanish Refugee Relief Committee. As war spread across Europe, Picasso officially loaned Guernica to the Museum of Modern Art. He stipulated that the painting should stay in New York, on exhibition, at the MoMA, until the death of Franco and the reestablishment of public liberties in Spain. So the painting stayed at the MoMA, and in fact, as a small kid, I saw it there. Picasso died in 1973, having never set foot back in Spain. But finally, in 1981, Guernica went home to Spain. So it was from this point on the Rue des Grands Augustins that this great anti-war statement was launched into the world. As we keep walking, look down. Keep an eye out for a cast iron plaque at foot level on the opposite side of the street from Picasso's. You'll notice the plaque has a ship the crest of Paris, this is a late 19th century sewer marker and one of the few that survives in good condition. At number eight, in a very old building, you'll notice scratched on the stone, a mark that begins the reign of Louis XIII. In 1961, this became the Michelin-starred Relais Louis XIII, a restaurant named for the king. But this is where the small prince Louis 13th was crowned after the assassination of my favorite French king Henry the 4th who was killed by a Catholic extremist in 1610. When I lived on this street I used to imagine the prince being hauled out of a tavern and told his father was dead long live the king. But the prince was only nine years old at the time, and back in 1610, this building was not a tavern. It was part of the religious complex. Since Louis XIII was only a child, the first few years of his reign were of regency with his difficult mother, Marie de' Medici. If you want to read swashbuckling accounts of his reign, read The Three Musketeers by Alexandre Dumas. Be sure to wear feathers in your hat and a sword in your belt and be prepared to die for honor. In fact, Dumas used this street as an address for a character in one of his less famous novels, La Dame de Montsoreau. Let's continue up Grand Augustins to finish at the corner of the rue Saint-André-des-Arts, which is usually thronged with tourists walking between Saint-Michel and the rue de Bussy. If you look up at the street sign at the corner of Grands Augustins and Saint André des Arts, you'll see a crossed-out, altered street sign. This is left over from the Revolution. All across the city, as revolt broke out against the church and religion, people laboriously scraped away the word saint from in front of street names. So here, Saint André was crossed out. Statues were also decapitated. You'll see the blank where the letters for saint were chipped away, and you'll also see the old street sign there on the stone. I like to imagine someone hanging off the balcony here, but maybe they had a ladder and traveled around the left bank, chipping off offending saints. I'll finish the walk. Just half a block, backtrack down at number 13, Rue des Grands Augustins. This is Mariage Frères, the magnificently atmospheric tea shop, and this is my favorite location. Mariage Frères actually dates all the way back to the tea business coming in under the reign of Louis XIV in the 17th century, but the company that now exists was founded by two specific Mariage brothers in the city of Lille in the north of France in 1854, The company has been completely restructured several times, and now it's a vast international company. I was amazed a few years back to walk past a shop in Tokyo. Back when I lived in this street, I was drinking tea pretty much constantly. And I have to say, this is still one of my favorite places in the world to buy tea. The shop still has a sense of mystery, which I appreciate, especially on cold, rainy afternoons when night seems imminent, even at two in the afternoon. Ah, February in Paris, a gray season, perfect for a cup of tea. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to the podcast. For photos and details of today's walk, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. Thank you so much for listening and for stepping into history with me. Until the next time, we go strolling into Paris together.